I saw the whole deaf and dumb school healed on mats. And I turned around and I saw their teachers crying because they'd lost their job now. Joy is actually a skill. Contentment is actually a skill. These things come out of maturity. I would say to my younger self, there is a life available for more joy and more meaning and more adventure and more satisfaction, but it's a life that you cannot get independently. So we have to start this episode with Jim Gaffigan, who during a sketch explained, yeah, my wife and I are having our kids at home with a midwife. So we believe in witchcraft, which is a good indicator of the level of unfamiliarity most guys have regarding birth. We don't know anything, and we don't think we need to spend any time learning anything. Here, the two men that make up the Ensign's podcast team actually think that that contributes to some serious problems in our understanding of masculinity, femininity, relating to women, and then sort of the larger cultural things that emerge. So we think if you are a single guy listening to this podcast, you should hang in there because it's not good to wait to think about birth until somebody you know gets pregnant or you are married and pregnant or you're not married and pregnant. Like you actually need to begin developing at least a basic level of familiarity with the territory of femininity reflected in birth before it ever becomes relevant to you. Yeah, so we had the pleasure of having Kim Osterholzer on the podcast, who is a midwife and author. She's got a book called A Midwife in Amish Country and has years and years of experience, hundreds of births that she's walked through. And it is the woman's territory. It is this core piece that women bring to the world. And as men, that can lead to some feelings of ineptitude and fear and the unknown. Though it may elicit those things, the posture, the offer is really kind. And it's just to enter in and that fear actually doesn't have the final say. And so I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. And I know that the gals listening in your worlds will also really dig it. So enjoy. Like you were saying, everyone's involved in it, and it and it isn't just the world of women. I think that's part of what maybe the disconnect in our culture too is that, first of all, it was it was maybe just doctors taking over, and then women said, "Hey, no, we you know this is a this is women's stuff." But it's about families, and there's a dad and a mom in each family. And it takes both of you, it takes both of you to get the baby in there. And it really does take you both together to get it out. And it's not rocket science. And it's, anyway, that's, so I really like talking about this subject. I'm so glad you clicked record. So <laughs> I heard you what are we oh, talking we about? Oh, we, we captured that, Kim. We've, we've <laughs> okay. learned our lesson. That is the beginning of this episode. Can I add one more caveat before we kick to our guest? <laughs> it goes, it's just this. If the very first time you actually have a conversation about birth is when you're trying to make a decision about it or you have a friend or a sister who's like, I'm going to have a kid and you have nothing to contribute into that space, that's going to be a real problem. And it's kind of like having a culture that never, ever, ever talks about death and then you find yourself actually engaging death and you have no language, no points of entry, you have nowhere to start from. 
And we think that you should actually, even if you feel really far from birth as a concept, have some familiarity, a few things that you use to frame your understanding of birth so that you can kind of navigate Mm -hmm. the weirdness that's out there. (laughs) Yeah, so on like the first tier, why does it feel like such a odd extraordinary difficult like this event that's going to take place that is birth Mm -hmm. like we kind of blow through pregnancy because tv shows tell us it takes nine months and it just sort of happens um but birth feels like somehow this i don't know scary unnatural event that happens to people and uh, maybe not everybody reacts that way but i certainly did there was Mm -hmm. like this i think a little bit of fear um Mm -hmm. why do you think that is well, you know, there is a lot of fear and unfamiliarity. And I, I think part of our culture, like Blaine, you were saying, even, you know, birth, death, both of those things in, in like recent years of our culture. And so, I'll say, you know, like a hundred last hundred years of our culture, we've been um, delivered from having to be hands on with either of those things. And they've been taken care of for us by experts. You know, the doctor delivers the baby. Don't, don't you know, bother your pretty little head about, you know, about anything. Let the experts will take care of it for you. So I think this is the fruit of letting, allowing that to happen. And now we, um, here we are, you know, maybe 70, 100 years later. Because we don't really know what to expect or know what is happening um, in birth or in death, there's fear that goes along with unfamiliarity. So I don't know why we let it happen, but I know I think that's where we are. It's just we don't know. And we don't think we're supposed to know because we're not the experts, so we don't we don't know, we just tremble. What do you offer to to couples that come to in their first few rounds like if fear feels like a predominating narrative that they're experiencing? What do you what do you offer in the face of that kind of ignorance? Like, what, what do you begin? So this is my first husband, and I'm not divorced. He died. So just, I, everybody always says, ooh, your first husband. But so my first husband, the father of my children, we met when we were 18, which seemed kind of young to me. But I already knew I wanted to be a midwife, and I knew I wanted to um, have my babies at home. I thought he looked all right to me, so I just threw it out there. I'm going to be a midwife, and I'm going to have home births. And I think because we were so far away from getting married and having babies that he just let, you know, he was like, oh, cool. Awesome. And I thought he agreed. So then we moved along in our, um, in our relationship. And I think this is also where I started understanding better where men are coming from. So I grew up in a family of sisters in a very open family, as far as like my mom was very open with us about how our bodies worked and what we could expect from various stages of our lives. And so I, I just didn't know that wasn't how it was in every home. So fast forward two years and Brent and I got engaged and we're approaching the wedding. And I said something to him maybe a month away from the wedding, like, wow, yeah, I think I'm going to start my period on our wedding day. And he said, oh, wow, I don't think I'm supposed to know about your period. And I <laughs> said, what? <laughs> what? Like, you don't think you need to know, are supposed to know about my period? Like, I think maybe we're not supposed to get married. And, and he was like, oh, like, oh, 
I mean, I do want to know about your period. So that was my first, you know, realizing that either on purpose or, or by mistake or just it just happens naturally in our culture, guys are sheltered from the mysteries of the female body. So um, he learned all about my period. We got married and and uh, got through that safely and then, you know, moved on, along down the road and and I thought he'd agreed to this home birth, and we got um, pregnant for Hannah, and we hired the midwife. We actually hired. I mean, we had our interview, and we were seeing her, and and I was maybe six months along or seven or something. I was getting close to the end, and I said something about the the home birth we were having, and he said, the what? And I said, yes, it's so the home classic. birth? Yeah. And, it, and I don't think, and in the meantime, so he learned all about my period when we got married. And then he went through the police academy and learned about birth from the police academy, where they show you these videos about basically this woman is in labor and then she explodes. So never help her have a baby outside of the hospital. Just whatever you do, get her there. So then I, I learned a lot about how to talk to the men in my practice from just watching Brent go through. And, and like there's story after story all the way to the her birth and the way her head looked as she was coming out, you know, and he thought, wow, she's definitely damaged and probably retarded. I mean, and, you know, so we just learned a lot. And, that, and so by the time I was starting to work with men, realized that I should talk about... <laughs> More than I would have originally thought I needed to talk about. Oh my gosh, yes. Like that we assume that there's this kind of knowledge that's the Base level playing knowledge. field. <laughs> it's not. It's so it's so far back. It's it's further back than you might think. And I think I wanna name some things. Um regardless of your story, your posture towards the Western medicine, the United States and birth is not doing well. Hmm. One in three births end in cesarean, whether that's intentional going in or that's an emergency. And there's obviously all the complexities therein. So it's just that they end up as that kind of can extrapolate. There's a system in place. Um, And the maternal mortality rate, we are the lowest ranked first world mm-hmm. nation. And it taken the list was either 35 or 20 other countries. And our rate is the worst. Mm-hmm. And it's getting even mm-hmm. worse. So it's not like we're climbing the ladder back into a better place. Like mm-hmm. there's a current state that this isn't just knowledge for the sake of knowledge. This is this is a culture and a climate in our state of medicine, in our state of kind of ignorance that I think of like a movie where what we're presented with is a woman in a cab screaming and there's this panicked sort of domino effect. The husband is like yelling at the cabbie to drive faster. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he's kind of got a baby in his arms and you don't know where the mom is. Like that is what people kind of expect on some level. Mm. And this, I don't know, you talk about (laughs) your husband not knowing very much. And I certainly know that I didn't know very much at all um, other than that traumatizing video they play in high school health class and as a country and as a husband like we it's getting the point where it's kind of unacceptable and kind of is a gentle word in that sentence mm-hmm. that we need to learn to be our own advocates for the mm-hmm. people in our lives and just 
Like, what, you hear those statistics, and what do you do? What do you do? I'm just, I'm still at how all of our images of women in labor, you can replace the women in labor with a literal bomb in a box <laughs> and just go, it's it's ticking, it's mysterious, you don't know how to diffuse it, and it's going to explode. Mm-hmm. Right. I think one of the things that strikes me, I want to chase down what you're saying, and there's just this contrast in, you know, we mentioned in the intro that Kim's written about birth, and there's this crazy other world of that's where a lot of love is taking place, not just love in the familiar sense, but mm-hmm. love of this thing in contrast with mm-hmm. this really austere, mm-hmm. grim picture. And mm-hmm. the first thing that kind of comes up to me is go, wow, geez. Okay, if I were to pivot over and just ask, okay, you like birth, Kim. Yes, I do. <laughs> what are some of the things that you love about birth, if you and it doesn't have to be kind of sequential. If you just kind of were to reach into the grab bag and go, here's some things that I love that contribute to a culture of people loving birth, which far down the field ends up addressing a pretty messed up system. What are those things? One thing I really love about birth is that I love about women giving birth versus being delivered of their babies. Is in a culture that you know where ninety some percent of women are medicated to give birth, and 30% of them are surgically delivered of their babies. One thing I run into with women is this uh, fear that they really can't give birth. And maybe they're intrigued, want to give birth at home, or want to give birth unmedicated. But with every, with every, it feels like everybody has had a medicated, you know, where they don't even feel their birth. Um, they, they just doubt that they're able to do it. And one of the things... I'm a midwife, but I started out just as a mom having a baby. And and the when I said I wanted to have Hannah at home, my husband and my mom, who are both fabulous people, I, I don't have a great reputation for handling pain, really. And they both said, oh, wow, hey, if anybody could have a baby, like, naturally, it's not you. <laughs> and And I knew, I actually agreed with them. You know, I didn't actively agree with them because I had to, you know, I had to fight for my, what I wanted. But secretly, I completely agree with them. And I really was worried that I couldn't, couldn't do it and didn't know what I, you know, I thought, I just kept thinking, this isn't me getting my arm sawed off, you know, or something. Surely, this is something my body is generating, the body that God created this body to do this thing. Surely I can do it. But, you know, that, your subconscious, all the messages of your life, you know. But when I finally did go into labor with Hannah, first of all, I was in labor for a while, and my mom called to see how it was going because she was going to come. And Brent answered the phone and said, well, no, she's not in labor. Oh, no, she's not in labor. And and I thought, well, what? Like, I've been in labor all day, (laughs) you know? And I wasn't in the, you know, the end stage labor yet, but I took the phone away from him and was like, Mom, I am in labor. Yeah, you probably should come now. And it was maybe at that point, probably about 8 o'clock in the evening, and I had her at 4 in the morning. So 
I was I was doing it. We were start. I was starting to time contractions and things. And later on, I asked him, "You know, why did you why did you even say that?" And he said, "Listen, I thought you're going to be rolling around on the bed screaming in labor." And and we were both kind of surprised. I never did that. And all the way through my labor, I kept thinking, "Well, when is it going to get so bad I can't handle it?" Like I didn't I didn't think this feels awesome. I mean, there is that you know movie or orgasmic birth and some women have orgasms in birth and I haven't noticed anyone doing that yet and I haven't done it yet myself personally but I did keep thinking like when is this going to get so bad that I'm screaming for medical help you know and and then never did and then the next thing I knew you know I brought forth my child in power and into my husband's hands and we had a midwife and she was there the whole time but but we felt so much like we did it. And and I felt so triumphant. And it, it completely changed my view of myself and my view of my fellow, you know, sisters too. That right there is probably on, on the woman end, just if I could do it, you can do it. And if you want to try, I want to help you. I want to help you because I know you can. And I really love that is when, you know, a woman goes, oh, my gosh, I did. I just had that. Someone gave birth to their baby in the car. That's a whole other story. But she didn't think she could give birth to this baby. And and then she did in the car. And we're both in the trunk of her car, basically. And she she sat and I'm thinking, oh, wow, this is messy. And this is not like gorgeous home birth. And she was beside herself excited because she sat up and she said, I did it. You know, I did that. So I love that. And the other thing I love is, so Brent was not a medical professional. He was not even like, it's awesome that you read books and, and watched movies, Sam. Like uh, I'm super impressed. Uh, yeah, let's, yeah, let's reaffirm that. I was, I was <laughs> so you didn't have a choice. Well, you actually did but it. Thank you. So when we were having getting ready to have Hannah, we took a couple classes, and um, the woman who introduced me to the idea of home birth was doing some of our classes, and she'd said, could I be your doula, even though we didn't know the word doula back then. It was like, she's, can I be at your birth and help you through your birth? And we were like, yeah, awesome. And a couple classes in, I think as Brent started really taking it seriously, like this is what we're doing together, he just said to me one day, you know... I know Karen really knows her stuff, and she's probably great, you know, birth support. And um, and I know that I know nothing, you know, basically at all. He said, but I just can't help feeling like, um, well, first of all, if she's at the birth, I will defer to her because that's just practical. Like, why would I try to, you know, do what someone else could do better when you're needing help? But if you're game, you know, like I I just feel like I'm your husband and I really want to be there for you. And so if you if you are willing, could we just tell Karen not to come? And I said, I'm just glad that my 21-year-old self realized what he was saying, you know. So I just called her up and said, hey, you're uninvited. And then I thought we had two books, old books that we that I had read that but had really like there was a good page in each. And I had him read one page of one book and one page of the other book. And so that's literally all he did was read two pages and loved me 
like he always loved me. And he loved me right on through, you know, my birth. And I, I think that's the other thing is I just that I love about birth is is the opportunity it is for, for a man to find out what he really means to his wife, just as a lover, but also as a covering of his family. And um, men underestimate that in the arena of birth. So you can have all these fantastic professionals. And you can have, you know, in the, in the natural birth setting, you have a doula and a great midwife. But what the woman's going to want is you as her man. Which can I say, it was super surprising for me. Like the, the stories that came to mind, which weren't stories or anecdotes, were like, the woman goes to the women's tent and the men go hunting mm-hmm. and the man returns and there is a child. And mm. there's this like, I almost felt like I was intruding as the man in this space oh. um, and had to kind of break down some of those anecdotal preconceptions mm-hmm. I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what you're naming about the the wife, the mother after birth, I think in my experience has experiences two things predominantly. One is that like, immense affection for the baby and the second is that self well hopefully that but is that like just pride and this mm-hmm. strength that comes forth and i know that as husbands Blaine and i both named this like we were in awe of our wives and and all of the stories that have unfolded there's been this we get to witness this strength when we are have front row seats to that um what are a couple of things that if for a husband that doesn't know much about like you can't you can't educate them on everything you don't have them for the whole um uh, pregnancy and then birth but what what are a couple of things that you would offer if you could snap your hands and have every guy know this like one or two things like whether it's a posture or something to expect or a, a change of mentality what are a couple of things that you would do Okay. Hopefully I, I hopefully I understand what you want me to say and I'll hopefully I'll answer this question properly. Um, but if but what so so when I have a couple coming through my practice, one of the things I really try to do is um, is strip away the mystery as far as or the maybe mystery's wrong wrong word because mystery is like an awesome aspect of birth. But just like tear down the 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 sense that it's so far beyond our ability to understand and normalize it. It's like this is just another normal um, part. You you get married, you have sex, you eat dinner, you have babies, you do diapers. Just like every day. Yep. It's like, and it is a big event in in uh, among those, but it is just a normal part of life as a married couple. So just try to strip away the the sense that it's like too far, too big, too, you know, that you need that professional. So I do try to make it, you know, as normal as it really is. And I probably overuse, I say it all the time, but it's like, this isn't brain surgery. This isn't rocket science. Or I'll say, dad, you know, does the dad want to catch the baby? I, I try not to, to say to ask, like on the very first visit, so did you want to catch your baby? I mean, they'd be like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm not sure I'd be even going to remain conscious dur- you know, dur- during this birth. So you just, I just throw it out there like lots of dads catch the babies. And I don't, you know, try to move on from there without saying a lot about, you know, put them on the spot, ask, 
asking if they want to. But I'll just talk about it a lot. Try to reveal it for what it is. It's like you just put your hands out and your wife's, you know, she's doing the work anyway. She's just going to press it into your hands. I literally just catch it. And then, you know, so make it seem simple. You know, I try to use normal words instead of all the medical terms. And I think sometimes medical terms are designed to create that separation between us and doctors and the, in the peop, you know, the people or whatever. Just use regular words and make it sound normal. 85% of the time, women will give birth spontaneously without requiring medical assistance. So that means that even 85% of the time, I as a midwife am basically just making sure you're in that 85% and then cleaning up the messes and stuff. So there's that. Another thing um, I really try to communicate to to the men, one thing I, I would say is don't think too much about how are you going to handle the birth because the birth will work you into it. So if you were suddenly, I mean, if if you had, you know, had to go somewhere and your wife went into labor and and she got right to the end and you walked in at the end it probably would be super intense and you you know you'd you would be lost and not know where you know where to begin to but labor is like is like a, a hike it's like hiking pike's peak you know you start on you know the bottom of the mountain and it's not you know no one's really huffing and puffing for a while and you're just walking along together and by the time you're to, to the end and working harder you know you you didn't even hardly notice the transformation you're just doing it together and making it happen and what the main thing that's required is your relationship that you already have you know, when you really think about it, the fact that your wife is pregnant and, and going to give birth is is an element of just your relationship, you know. Your love and your relationship, you know, got her pregnant. And now, she, you know, you've walked through the pregnancy with her, and that's another facet of your relationship. So bringing that to a culmination is just another facet of your relationship. And what's required is you and just be there. I mean, she already liked you well enough to marry you, have sex with you, etc. You know, she obviously thinks you're pretty awesome and just wants to be with you through her her labor and birth too. It's so awesome. I'm just reminded of the fact that we teach middle schoolers about sex in scientific terms for the precise purpose of freaking them out. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of this duel there that if you taught middle schoolers about sex via the mystical union and love poems, I don't think they would think it was crazy. They would be like, what? (laughs) But you have to go, stop this, you little animals. Okay, so, and you have to, you know, use all of the crazy language available to you to medicalize. And I think that the shock value there is on purpose. And I just go, it's similarly, if that's your point of entry into birth, it's going to be a little freaky because it's going to seem like it needs an expert. I don't want to hear about membranes if I'm like blowing my nose. Like, <laughs> just don't. And, but that's kind of, it feels like where we start and assume and somebody says like dilation and I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. Stop <laughs> this conversation right now. But if it's like, start in this other thing where it's this relational thing and most of the things that your body does, like recovering from exercise, you don't know how to, you don't need to know how they work. They mm-hmm. work because they work. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually need to know. It's really, it will just do it. It's kind of this mm-hmm. 
Really? I mean, mm-hmm. but isn't a woman a time bomb? I mean, <laughs> uh, I snagged a quote from Anime Gaskin because it would be uh, remiss if we we didn't mention didn't this talk about her a little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's right to this point. The quote mm-hmm. is: "Many of our problems in the U.S. maternity care stem from the fact that we leave no room for recognizing when nature is smarter than we are." Um, I just thought that linger for a little bit one of the things Susie had me write down to remind her of during her labors was women have been doing this for thousands of years mm-hmm. this isn't the first time anyone has done this mm-hmm. in the world and brought someone in and that like was so simple and surprisingly very needed reassurance in the middle of that story I'm curious if you know that someone is pregnant, some couple's pregnant, and they're advancing towards uh, the great moment, as a not an explosion. Recent, <laughs> pretty funny documentary I watched called it. Uh, what are questions that you just like asking uh, to couples about the anticipation of birth, or questions you like about? Birth that I like to ask. Yeah, that you like to ask. I don't know if I ask any questions. Do I? I don't know. I don't know if I do ask a lot of questions. I think I answer a lot of questions, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ask. I mean, we ask. I spend the beginning of their pregnancies finding out what they're hoping for, what they want. You know, what do you want your birth to look like? And then I, you know, pattern my what I do around that. I don't find a lot, a huge variation. The biggest things will be some dads want to catch, some dads don't. Some dads want to cut the cord and some don't. I don't know that I ask a lot of questions besides like, is there any, what, what do you want? What, is there anything important that I might not automatically do? Is there anything important? There's a lot of storytelling that yeah. goes on yeah. uh, on both sides. Kim, you've been our midwife a couple of times now and... So I've gotten to witness this firsthand that there is there is a comfort in the storytelling of different things that have happened and it mm-hmm. invites the mother to share some of her mm-hmm. stories or sister's stories or mm-hmm. anecdotes. And I think a familiar pattern that I see is that moms will choose a hospital birth for their first round mm-hmm. and then they'll quote unquote risk like the home birth mm-hmm. scenario mm-hmm. like. There's all the fears of what can go wrong, and I, I, I don't want to diminish those because, yes, like mm-hmm. the, like that is that is legitimate, and for some people it is very needed. And what I mm-hmm. so appreciated what you're saying of the husband's presence, like that's true, whatever the scenario is. Yeah, it is. Whatever the room looks like, or yeah. the, the wherever the car is parked on the side mm-hmm. of the road, mm-hmm. uh, that is true. Um, I, I, I was struck by how stories and then normalizing. Uh, actually is like part of the ritual of helping a husband and a wife understand what their role might look like mm-hmm. because otherwise mm-hmm. uh, the scenario I was trying to avoid more than anything was the we are in a hospital room and everything feels very dramatic and very out of my control mm-hmm. and I need to do whatever needs to be done for the health of the baby and the health of my wife mm-hmm. and the things that are being delivered to me feel like I kind of just need to say yes. 
Mm-hmm. We need to do this. We need to do this. Mm-hmm. We need to go. We need to get, like, mm-hmm. we, our and first, who are you to say no? Right. right? Because mm-hmm. I, am I going to get in the way of all of these people? And um, mm-hmm. our first, uh, our second labor um, started at home and ended in the hospital. And all of a sudden there's all these hooks and wires and things going off. And I found like this part of me, I just said no to everything. <laughs> Even things that were probably helpful. Like I think they were coming at Susie with like a glass of ice water. Like, get away! <laughs> like, and that was from the place of, I didn't want that scenario unfolding. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite lines in that from a friend of ours who ended up in the hospital is, I'm not a doctor and I'm barely a husband, but no. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. awesome. Oh, that's, that's awesome. terrible. So uh, for couples, regardless of the, the situation, because I know that sometimes people are looking to you as like an advocate and they're still like afraid and they mm-hmm. might need you mm-hmm. in, in the hospital room. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some ways that you would counsel uh, the husband to be prepared for when things don't always unfold mm-hmm. as they normally do? I guess that when I say I don't ask questions, I guess I do ask questions. Make sure I know, you know, I do know what things you want it want and don't want that may or may not be presented at the hospital. And we try to establish those things at home so that when we do transfer in, it's like, and and then the doctor comes in or, or a nurse comes in and says, so we want to, you know, put this ointment in your baby's eyes now. And you guys already know, you've already talked, we've already all talked about it and you, you know you want that or you don't want that. And so you can accept it or, or decline it without going, oh my gosh, I have no idea what she's talking about. So things like that are important. And most, I think most midwives prepare, you know, prepare their clients for uh, what you might face in the hospital. If you're, if you're, you know, a family that already knows you want a birth in the hospital, um, you should get a doula, you know, someone that is trained to help you negotiate, you know, or just know what's going to be asked, what's what your options are at the hospital, what you're going to be offered, why you may or may not want those things, and get that sort of planned out ahead of time. And even though that's like there, there's no way to completely plan, you know, you never know what, you know, what's going to come up. And I've had lots and lots of people say, I absolutely don't want X, Y, and Z, and then once you're in the hospital, it's like maybe the least of your concerns, and you just say, "Yeah," because you know you're you're going to hold out on you know A, B, and C instead, or something like that. But it's you know making sure you know what your options are, wherever you're going to birth, and what you actually do want, and and that's really important. And then, but I'll, I'll tell you what, the, in the hospital, same as at home, or if you are on the side of the road trying to get to the hospital, wherever you're birthing, it really just keep remembering that, you know, you're, you as your wife's husband, you really are adequate for the task. And, um, and even though you're, you're definitely not going to feel adequate. Maybe that's one reason I don't ask a lot of questions I don't ask the dad a ton of things because, like, the one of the ways I go about, like, relating with the dads in my practice is, first of all, Brenda and I did it, and and I, I learned what probably most of you guys are thinking by the things he said without the midwife and the, the you know, just us, and he, and he would say, you know, the things he would say, I would realize— you think that, and then I and then I realized, you know, he wasn't like an alien. So probably what he's thinking is what all the dads are thinking. 
a lot of times I'll just say, you know, my husband thought this, and you know, we all laughed, but then we figured, you know, we figured it out, and that way I can just throw it out there that. It's been thought by one man and probably many men, and then the guy doesn't even have to say anything like, oh, yeah, I think that too. He can just anonymously go, oh, my gosh, thank God I'm not the only one that thinks that, you know, and not get put on the spot. But one of my favorite, like, initial consultations I ever had with a set of clients was friends of my mom and dad who really wanted to have a home birth. Well, the mom wanted home birth, and the dad was like, what in heck? And so my mom and dad said, why don't you and Brent come and talk to them? So we all got together and um, we're talking and answering questions. And back then, you know, I used to always say, and I probably still do say it, is, well, the bottom line is you, you both need to have peace about where you give birth. And then and Brent said, oh, no, no. I mean, let's be let's be real here. No guy's ever going to really completely be at peace with the fact that his wife is giving birth to a baby. <laughs> and uh, so just get her where she's comfortable and then it will turn out as well as it can. And you'll be there and you'll support it. And I was just like, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> you know, so I loved that. So again, I try to put it out there what, what guys might be thinking, you know, so that it's not like you're evil if you're thinking that or you're, you know, you're the one guy who can't support his wife if you're thinking that or maybe they watch the business of being bored and they're like, okay, on a very practical safety level, home birth is fine. What is going to happen to my house? Like what, you know. <laughs> Which carpet are we going to run? <laughs> exactly. You know, so that we could like talk about don't worry, I bring drop cloth. <laughs> oh, I remember being so helpful. Morgan described the experience of one of his kids being born as like this slimy green alien comes out. <laughs> and I would just felt this relief that he said that because I was. it took the pressure off of me needing to feel all of the happy dad bonding mm-hmm. emotions immediately mm-hmm. because it, this slimy green alien <laughs> thing comes out. And you're like, you're my child and I love you. And I also feel a little... Like what? <laughs> Sometimes it's helpful. I feel like you're totally yeah. the weirdo. Yeah, guys. Yeah, kinda, man. I almost wish that at this table we had the really uncomfortable detractor because I think mm. of when I think of this, I also think of uh, Sam. Some of the things that, like when I swung by your house when you guys were giving birth, and sort of your attitude was hilarious. It was. Just a normal day, only an annoying day. Uh, <laughs> it was, I don't think I actually said that. That was the first one that went. That was a long time, mm. and that was scouts honor. That was the feeling. But you named just some really important uh, things about birth for men. One is that the experience of powerlessness is severe. And the experience, I think, even at the beginning when you said, wow, I brought forth in power, there's just, I think there's an incredible amount of unfamiliarity mm-hmm. with a woman's power. There's no mm. question that that's the case mm-hmm. in our moment and in our culture where we just don't know a lot about it and are uncomfortable with it. And when someone says, you know, and when my wife used a very similar language, it was like, okay. Somebody get the drums and candles. Like, <laughs> now we're talking about your power. Mm-hmm. But it was real. And I think one of the things about birth is that this is the feminine world. 
mm-hmm. and there's a level of surrender and powerlessness that I found mm-hmm. really hard mm-hmm. in order to start engaging, just going, man, this female expression power and the way that you're talking about it and telling stories, this is, this isn't totally funky, actually, but it, I'm not really familiar with it. And then also the fact of going, oh, great, I'm going to be helpful because you love me, Emily. Well, <laughs> that's a big relief. I'm, I thought there was going to be something practical for me to do, but... <laughs> You love me, kind of like God loves me right now. <laughs> That's good. Well, I'll just be your loving you. Yeah. And, um, those things feel sort of key in unpacking birth as a man and going, not safe, not a good idea to know nothing. Starting to know something, going to have mm-hmm. to get, back, get past just l- generations of unfamiliarity with mm-hmm. the way that women carry the creative power of God. What I love about it too is there's actually not the answer of like, and here guys is how you are going to do it perfectly and how you're going to be able to do things for her. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an experience of being a participant, but much is out of your hands other Mm -hmm. than your posture towards her and maybe getting to do some really tangible things. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah. I'm curious in the vein of, because it's true that when you, start talking to people, what mostly happens is a bunch of fascinating stories are told. Mm-hmm. What are some of the stories, when you think of your worldview about women in birth and men in birth, wh- what are some of the major moments in the formation of your view? You now just work with some assumptions. like yes. A woman can do this, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this isn't weird, mm-hmm. and this actually isn't primarily dangerous. Right. You talked a little bit about how mm-hmm. that was your house culture, mm-hmm. but can, would you talk more about where those assumptions came from, even that like a woman how, can do this? How, and you, how it developed? Like yeah, well, how I mean, it developed for me? Yeah, you can look across this table mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. remarkably calm expression and go, women can do this. And go, okay, <laughs> that is linked probably to a set of experiences that I'd like to know about because you seem really confident. Okay. Well, you know, that I think it's seeing it, first of all, it does come out of experiencing it personally, for sure. Especially my first exposure to actual birth, you know, I was... 10 or, no, I was 12, 12 years old, and I saw a birth video by mistake. And I did not know that it, it was, I was not aware that that's what we were watching. It was a hospital birth, which, you know, in the moment, I didn't even know there was such a thing as home birth. And so we're sitting there innocently watching something, and the next thing, you know, there's like, pardon me, but there's like this, this ladies' privates right front and center on the video and and suddenly her vagina is like well the size of a baby's head and and I was somewhat familiar with my <laughs> vagina and I was pretty sure it couldn't do that and, and I fainted and went home and said to my mom I'm not having a baby ever like I'm not having sex we're not risking this this is like that was the worst thing I ever saw and um so several years later, like when I was 15, not several years, I was 15, and uh, the woman who introduced me to um, midwifery and home birth 
we were all together at an event, and uh, she was talking to some other mom, and apparently she was studying to be a midwife. So she's talking about having been at a birth, and she was excited. And I remember, you know, thinking like, I said to her, "Whoa, wait a minute! Like, you go to birth on purpose? Why would you do that?" You know, and she said, "Well, honey, why would?" Why do you, you know, what makes you ask it? Like, what's what's the problem, you know? So I told her about this video, and she said, oh, you know, that was probably a hospital birth. Did you know some people have babies at home with midwives? And I don't know why that, you know, ping, except for it probably, you know, my God-giving calling. So, that, so I had this little, in, you know, bit of intrigue and interest in it. And she said, you want to read a book? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And so she gets me this book. It's called A Midwife Story, and it's about a midwife who delivers babies for the Amish in Pennsylvania. And it's about 200 pages, and I had it done by the end of the day. So it was just story after story after story, basically, which is probably why I do tell lots of stories, Sam. It's story after story of story of, of, of women who go into labor and have their babies. And they go into labor, and then they paint a rocking chair quick, and then they have their baby. And then they go into labor. And I mean, so some of the women I've served, I, had, I was just telling someone this story the other day. She's having her 10th baby. And she um, called and said, oh, yeah, I'm definitely in labor. And you know, I listened to her had this massive contraction on the phone. And I said, oh, should I come? Then I'm, I'm coming. And she said, oh, don't come yet. We're milking the cows. And I said, oh, okay. And told my daughter, who is my she was also a midwife. I said, we're going, we're heading that way. Like we won't go all the way there, but we're going to get as close to, as close as possible because she just had a 90 second long contraction and went, you know, had a minute break and rolled right into another one. So uh, we, we got ourselves around and they're Amish. So they don't want their kids have no, the nine kids that are out have no idea what's going on. Or at least they're not supposed to. So we knew that we could not be seen. We got down as close as possible. She called back and said, okay, this is where I'm at now. Set up, blah, 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 blah. And I said, so we should probably come now, right? She goes, oh, no, we're going to have breakfast. And so she, you know, Hannah and I are like around the corner sweating a little bit. Because I, not sweating because anything bad is going to happen, but we definitely don't want to miss the birth. And so... She called back a little while later and said, okay, you can come now. And I said, well, good, because we're right around the corner. And we're, you know, so don't be surprised when we show up in five minutes instead of 50. We show up to the house. The kitchen looks like the cereal exploded, dishes everywhere. And she's having contraction, contraction, contraction. So we we didn't, and I admit, we didn't even bother. We, we just didn't bother checking on her at all. We quick set up our stuff because we just thought, we got to be ready for she's going to suddenly have this baby. Got all the supplies set up. And then we were we were like, where is she? We, now we're going to listen to heart tones and do her blood pressure and couldn't find her. And she was in the kitchen. She'd clean the whole kitchen. So she finished cleaning the kitchen. Then she said, all right, I think I'm ready to be checked. And she went and sat down on my birth stool. And we did heart tones and blood pressure. And, and then her water broke. And then she pushed her baby out and... Ta-da. And, and so it's just like it's story after story after story. So I read those in the, in the book, all these stories of people just having their babies. And it started to, you know, get my wheels turning. And But it, I will say when I went to have my first baby, it was like I'd read all these stories and thought, okay, this can be done. This should be the norm. 
But we all know that if anybody can't do a natural birth, it's probably me, you know. So I remember um, my midwife asking at one point in the labor, so do you want do you want a mirror so you can, you know, see the baby's head? And, and I remember thinking, oh, better not. Last, last time I saw that, I painted, <laughs> you know. And so it did take a, that process of, you know, doing it myself. And then I started attending births. And I know the very first birth I attended, I, I was pretty worried. I, I thought, what if I, you know, what if I do faint? And what if I, you know, what, what if I find out I really can't even be a midwife? At least I could have a baby, but what if I can't be a midwife? And and you know, like I just said, how labor works you along. You know, it worked me along too. And so there I am at this very first birth, and I and I was as much relieved that I wasn't feeling like I was gonna faint as I was like just it's a very simple everyday thing that is magic. And I'm watching this magic unfold and the baby starts to come, and my preceptor said, well, Kim, why don't you catch the baby? And it was like, pow, my head exploded. And and I reached out my hands, and the tears filled my eyes, and I, I, was, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't see now, <laughs> you know, because I'm crying. But so birth worked me along, you know, and it was every birth that worked me along. And And I don't know which one of you said, I am operating now, 25 years later, on, under a number of assumptions. Well, like, it's just natural. It's the most natural thing for me to, to think, oh, yeah, women have babies, and they come right out, and et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing I really try to keep in my mind, even if this is like my 550th birth or something, this is the only time, I mean, it's the only time ever that person will ever be born and um, let it be that you know, holy thing that it should be. That's so good. Uh, the narrative and how much of the narrative matters for the mom, for the dad, for like the fact that as a couple going into their first birth and you're ringside for your 550th, uh, just that posture of it's been done before and you you can do it. Um, how much that changes things on a fundamental level. Uh, that's That's almost like the entire invitation for guys um because i don't think i want to have my charge to them be now you guys have to go watch a bunch of documentaries and read a bunch of books there's a different role for the the husband but as you share stories for the men and the husband's benefit of like that Mm -hmm. you might feel like this and you might Mm -hmm. want to do some of these things and you might Mm -hmm. not want to and you might feel pulled towards safety and Mm-hmm. Your your husband's line of, you will never feel comfortable. There's always going to be slightly out of your control, and it is. Mm-hmm. And as men, that sucks mm-hmm. that it's out of our control. And there's something a really good imitation in that. Mm. I feel like one thing that we've that we're seeing build here in our small town of Colorado Springs, where we live and operate and have our friends, is I think one major shift that. It's exciting when it happens and that I would start recommending and even to single guys. And if you made it through the whole episode as a single guy, good job. I'm just going to tell you right now, way to go. You're a, you're a one percenter and that's awesome. Uh, but is when someone is going to have a baby and they're getting near labor, we really have started to feel this incredible excitement of, 
you are going to see the craziest, and not the birth itself even, not like the moment when suddenly this being That was certainly that. Though that is definitely, but it's, I'm glad we have the language of it builds to that moment because that moment on its own is like, whoa, Mm -hmm. it's not the whole thing. Mm -hmm. What you're going to begin seeing just expressed in like, the woman in labor is going to freaking blow your mind. And yeah. I think that it's, it is cool because most of the stories that circulate, all the people in the community, your parents, maybe once or twice mention like, oh, labor, what a crazy thing. And you just think of this catastrophe that you kind of like barely get through and pain and blah, 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 blah. When we know someone who's going to go into labor soon, Emily, my wife will be like, oh, don't you wish we were going to go into labor? And I'm like, partly really no. Uh, <laughs> Very much. I don't want to be up for two days. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, if you go into labor, you have a baby, and then you're up even longer. So yeah. it's like a marathon, yes. then you start the marathon. Mm-hmm. But there really is a part of me that's like slightly being able to recognize like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like mm-hmm. there were expressions on your face that I will not forget, and not in a negative sense, that mm-hmm. were kind of mind-blowing mm-hmm. of like, wow. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do here, but what's happening mm-hmm. is really worth being a part of. Yeah, so I want to bring it in for a landing. Um, thank you so much for jumping on and sharing some of these stories. But one last piece, like you can, maybe you've already said it, but you can offer uh, a young guy that's listening a single piece to hold on to. In my mind, he's walking alongside his wife through their pregnancy mm-hmm. and the, the birth is out there. Mm-hmm. What one thing do you offer this imaginary guy? Okay, so as you guys were talking about um, the the set that sense of powerlessness, I'm just supposed to love her through it. That sounds so like not active, you know, or not not that useful, or or whatever. I I liked that you guys each said that at the end of your wives' births, you were in awe of your wives. You probably have just never looked at, at, you know, either of you looked at her the same since. I just want to assure any man who says, oh, all I got to do is just like hold her hand or rub her back or say, good job, you know, for hours on end, in some cases, many hours on end. By the time our birth with Hannah was over, I already was in love with Brent. He was this fabulous man. I already was in love with him. By the time the birth was over, even though he that's all he did, you know, and that doesn't sound like a lot, he was my hero. And it sounds so cliche to say, you know, we gave birth to this, yeah, little slimy, squally, oddly colored child, looked at each other. And you don't have to catch your baby to have this happen, but... It was pretty priceless for us to, it's like we're, we're, we're the only ones in our space besides the new slimy person. And in just going, like, looked at each other. It was like, oh, my gosh. And we did it together. And I never looked at him the same either. And he went on into our future 
he was a different breed of dad. Um, you know, we were the only people we knew who, you know, birthed like that. We didn't know any other dads like that. And I always wondered, was he just already going to be like that? Or was it the birth? And then, you know, when we gave birth to Paul, you know, we did the same way. And and this time, my uh, our midwife, all she did was take pictures. And we just did it together. And we have this really um, amazing picture of Paul partway into Brent's hands and my hands reaching down to take him. But I, you know, it might seem small to just love and support someone through a thing. But yeah, I, I never looked at him the same since. And I, I know that that contributed to the depth of our relationship and the way that we parented our children, too. 